Hey folks, Dan Thompson here from Frequency. We're glad you've joined us today. Uh, we're going to dive right into this next episode. Uh, Joe had a conversation with Ross King, and honestly, folks, you couldn't get somebody that's more real, raw, and honest. Uh, this episode dives into you know the heart of the matter as a singer, songwriter, artist, what it means to be in the industry, and Ross really provides uh, some raw insight into that. Uh, we're also excited to share about his new releases that he's come out with, uh, and they'll delve into that. And really what it means to make it in the music industry is a lot more than a formula. It's a lot more than Christian radio. Uh, and I'm not going to say much more about it other than you really need to listen to this conversation between Joe and Ross King. And also just some housekeeping items. Uh, we do have more interviews coming up we're excited about, as well as some endeavors that uh, Joe and I will be working on. Uh, that sort of go beyond frequencies reach, but um, we're excited about it and we can't wait to share that with you. But uh, we will keep you posted as soon as we can. In the meantime, here's the interview with Joe Brookhouse and Ross King. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Well, Ross, welcome back to uh, Frequency. We have not had you on for probably two years, which is, seems like a really long time. And in that period of time, you've released two separate albums. Uh, most recently, we know how this thing ends, an EP released just earlier this year. Yes, that's correct. And I want to apologize because we actually chatted with you about Unfettered, which was the uh, the LP that came out beforehand. But that was the uh, the interview where audio was so bad on my side that I just threw it away and gave up on it. Um, so I apologize for that. I have forgiven you, Joe. Um, it took me a while, but I've, I've forgiven you. You're a good man. I, I appreciate that. And maybe I'll sleep better. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Well, let's get focused on uh, what I think is most interesting for people listening, which is not the random banter, or maybe it is. Uh, but... We know how this thing ends is the result of a, a successful Kickstarter campaign that you ran. Yes. Uh, one uh, which I did not contribute to because I'm a lousy friend. So uh, it's okay. You're, you're contributing by telling the world about it. So thank you. Well, what I, uh, what I want to do, first of all, is acknowledge that you moved from Bryan, Texas to Nashville about a year and a half ago. That's right. I guess what I want to ask, if folks aren't already aware you moved to Nashville, maybe just a, a quick idea of the move to Nashville, what, uh, what led to that. And um, maybe more specifically, since you've been there for about 18 months, what are some unexpected results of that move? Uh, sure. So the move came about because, um, you know, I have this career kind of a motto that says, um, never have a job where success brings you bad news. And for me, it was basically, you know, the, 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 you know that uh, the example would be you're in sales or something and you hate to travel. You know, uh, well, if you got really good at sales, they'd want you to travel pro probably. Right. So so for me, it was that I would come out here to Nashville from Texas. And if I succeeded, it would be like someone who I really respected and wanted to work with would say, hey, that was great. You should come back next week. Right. And I would have to say, no, I'll be I'll be back in 10 weeks or or, or whatever. And, you know, when that happens, I, I'm having to say no to an opportunity that I want and I'm probably kind of going on a list of people who they know they can't call. So I just felt like that was happening way, way too much. Um, it just felt time. So they made the move. Uh, and as far as unexpected, um, I mean, it's been, 
the music business is in a lot of trouble and we can talk about that later and I'm sure you do talk about it more on this podcast but the music business isn't isn't thriving you know uh, all that much and so that that I, I knew that when I came here but that's but dealing with how to sort of navigate what I do uh, in the center of where the music business kind of is uh, has been interesting and I mean I really feel fine and 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 God's taking care of us and paying our bills and all that. But I've had to adjust a lot of my uh, workflow and and expectations. And I've just had to be more intentional about what I do, how I spend my time, the kinds of songwriting situations I get into, uh, how I handle my own artistry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's a whole hour of things. But basically, yeah, I've just had to, to learn to survive in, in a business that's not really doing all that well. Yeah, in a uh, in a field, let's say that's already relatively unstable, it right. has become more so. Yes, yes, yeah. and and it's just you know, it's I think the way that people, the thing that people don't 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 understand is that it's not that the systems have changed; it's there. It's they, there's there are new systems, you know. So anyone who tries to adjust by saying let's keep altering the system is is already behind. You know, it, it's it's it is all new. Economies of scale, all new methods, all new business models, everything about it is different. And I think a lot of people are, are hesitant to embrace those changes um, because maybe they, they, they found success with the old systems for so long. Yeah. Well, and you and I were chatting just a little bit before we started recording that uh, you, may, you may be starting up a podcast and this is going to be one of those topics that you would be addressing on a regular basis. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm just interested in helping people and even kind of talking, having conversations with people to, so, so that I can be helped to figure out, you know, how independent music how niche markets in music work, um, how crowdfunding. I just feel like I've had uh, some success, particularly in the crowdfunding part of it and in the niche market thing, but I'm also really, really new at it. And at my age, being new at anything is is not great, you know? So I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to learn. And I feel like I've been considering having some kind of a, of a, of a voice in that, whether it's, you know, a podcast or something else, but I, I'm looking at just helping to, I want to learn more and I want other people to, to also learn more. So we'll see. I think it's an exciting idea. Uh, and I didn't even give you a heads up. I was going to bring up that topic, but no, uh, I think you're a, uh, you know, a voice in the wilderness and um, I hope that you move forward with that. And if you do, we'll definitely, uh, we at Frequency will definitely want uh, to be sharing that with, with our audience as well. Great. Thank you. To look my way. Cause I'm too ashamed to meet your eyes To speak your name I'm scared that I'll be held in chains Bound in lies forever And I long to hear a sound like something metal Being shattered Oh, shame is a chain Love is a hammer Well, great, thank you well, let's get back to uh, what we actually came on to, to chat about, which is we know how this thing ends. And that's along with unfettered is is another compelling uh, and a bit oblique, let's say, term. Uh, mm. Maybe you could give us a sense of what the genesis of that title is. Uh, I do know it shows up on a couple of songs, uh, This Ain't Over and Only the Good Things. But mm -hmm. uh, what's the what's the genesis of that title? Sure. So, you know, when I'm when I'm doing 
when I'm putting together any kind of a, of a project, a, a collection of songs, I'm always trying to figure out what the title of the project should be. You know, I probably overthink that, but I like it to have a, a certain cohesion. I like it to feel like when you listen to the songs, you're able to to get a sense of where the title, you know, why, why that was there and, and where it fits into the songs. And this situation, I started writing these songs. I had a friend in Texas who had leukemia, young guy in his 30s. Hmm. And he was battling leukemia for several months, actually for for a couple of years, and he he, and he ended up uh, passing away. But but um, while he was probably in the last two or three months of his life, you know, of course I didn't know that was where it was headed. But while while he was there, we had just moved here, and I'd known this guy for a decade, and so we had just moved, so we were having to watch and uh, interact with that situation from 700 miles away you know, which was really hard and, and obviously not as hard for us as it was for the people there, but just hard to not be able to share in that burden. These people were a part of our church. We've been a part of for years. So I was just trying to speak over those situations, you know, with different kinds of messages of, of, uh, grief sharing and authority and faith and, acknowledgement of suffering, you know, all these, you know, you know how I, we've talked enough to, where, you know, what I'm trying to do with my music. And, and, and so at some point, uh, this ain't over the second song on the record, I think was the first song I wrote for the record. And I was looking one day, just looking through the lyrics of the four or five songs that at that point I, I had finished. And I just saw this line in that song, the second verse, that song kind of tells the story of Jesus, um, dying and it's it sort of lays out that you know there was this plan to save us and it didn't work because this guy you know he died you know so i guess it was a failure right but you know uh he rose again you know and there's this line that says um and and he looked death in the eye and said you're done you'll you'll never win so we don't worry about the story because we know how this thing ends um and while we're waiting, we'll keep saying this ain't o- over, right? So, yeah. so that that I felt like that was a real, uh, that was at the heart of all the stuff I was praying for my friend and his and his family, and all the stuff that we were all feeling as we're trying to figure out if this guy's gonna gonna live, you know, uh, live a long life on this earth, or if he was gonna go go be with the Lord. And it was a it was a weird. It was a weird time, you know, uh, but that that title seemed to really encapsulate. And what was cool about it was I ended up writing more because of the title choice. Then I was like, oh, now I know what this is about. I mean, right. isn't that it's kind of backwards, but I, I started seeing this is what I'm talking about now. And that, and that sort of informed the, the remainder of the songs, which ended up being eight songs uh, sort of all around that type, all around that concept of um seeing our own suffering, the suffering of Jesus, et cetera, and, and acknowledging it, but also having an eye toward, uh, eternity and an eye toward the rescue and, and, and deliverance that we get, uh, in Jesus. Well, from an album flow perspective, and just in terms of our conversation that leads very well into the first single, which is good company. Now, mm-hmm. was that one that you came into um, already is one of those four songs, three or four songs, or is that one that came after the title? Or do you remember? That was one of the originals, yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure that, I feel like that was one of the originals. It was probably second or third. It was the only one that I was really playing f- for people. I, 
This Ain't Over was the first song, but I didn't really show it to anybody because I felt like it needed uh, – I wanted it to be de- delivered in a very produced way for this, for people's first in- interaction with it. Um, but, yeah, good, good Company was probably the first song I was sharing with people and saying this is what I'm trying to do um, with 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 this – this project. Um, so yeah, it was one that I kind of tested out at some live stuff. And when I would be co-writing with someone and they would say, what are you doing with your new record? I would say, Oh, here's a song I'm working on, you know? And, and so that was kind of fun. I got to workshop that one, uh, a pretty good bit with, with people just in small, in small interactions or, or, or in house concerts or in live shows. In the dark. One of the things about Good Company is that it features a pretty compelling vocal by uh, Jason Gray, who's become a friend of yours and a Mm -hmm. co-writer. He sings on the bridge and he sings some some background on that. Yeah. Um, So uh, how did how did you two connect and um, how did you convince him to sing on that? (laughs) Well, Jason and I were like Twitter friends. You know how that happens? Like that might even have been what happened with you and me. I don't remember. But. But he and I were like just sort of social media friends for years. And he's he's a stutterer and I am too. And so it was weird because people would say to us, would say to us separately, oh, you should know this guy because he stutters too, which is, you know, a little bit funny. <laughs> I won't say it's insulting. It's a little funny. But anyway, yeah, no, yes. but Jason's a super good guy. And I had just become a big fan of what he does, uh, both as a as an artist and just as a person. He's just a wonderful guy and a and a just a deep thinker and a very vulnerable and authentic human. And so we, we had known each other online a ton and we started writing together uh, around the time that I moved here and we wrote probably half a dozen times. And most of those times didn't write anything worth, worth playing for anybody, but had really good, good conversations and just started to respect each other a lot on a personal kind of a level. And so at some point I just said, Hey man, I got this song. Oh, I actually wanted to write this song with him. I brought this idea to him maybe a year before, uh, before I actually wrote, wrote it. And it was kind of in that, like, yeah, let's do that at some point. And just, you know, our busyness and all that. He didn't live here when I first, when I first moved here. And so I ended up writing it and just called him one day and said, Hey, I wrote this. I would love for you to sing on it. I think it's really in your wheelhouse, you know, topically and, and, and musically. And he's so gracious and came over and, and was way into it and just dove in and gave it his whole heart and his whole energy. And man, it was, it was a great experience to have him do that. Cause he just has a really, he has a very authentic, sincere kind of sounding voice. Um, and a more of a kind of a robust kind of a hearty voice, you know, than, than I have. And it just made that section of the song, which is a really kind of a, it's sort of a, a of a left turn in the song. So it just worked so so well well it it, um it took a song that uh, i think speaks very well to acknowledging our struggles and and how it lines up with jesus uh and his his own challenges that he's experienced those things uh, and then gives it a greater sense of urgency which is really i suppose what a bridge is intended to do anyway well yeah i don't know what a bridge is intended to to do but but (laughs) but you're probably right i mean i 
I think we'd all have different opinions about what a bridge is intended to do. Um, sometimes it's intended to to be there because people want you to have a bridge. Um, but yeah, but yeah. no, but you're right. I think it it does. Um, it uh, you know sometimes if we want to get into song philosophy for thirty seconds, I would say that sometimes when you get that far into a song, it's like, well, is there anything left to say? And so you're either going to reiterate what you've said or you're going to bring them something maybe a little bit new. And I think it, it in that in that moment takes some of the more uh, thoughtful and, and sort of smart-ish kind of stuff and distills it down to something really, really, really basic and really that anybody could 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 understand, which which ironically, I, when I first wrote that section of the song, I thought, uh, this is the corniest section of the song. But it's, that's just my own cynicism because I think I try to be smart all the time when, when you know, sometimes you just need to say things very plainly and, and, and uh, succinctly and, you know, even, even in kind of a shallow way. And that, that's – so that section of the song definitely um, – I don't know. It's funny that I thought it was shallow or whatever, but it, it's 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 a uh, it's my favorite part of the song now. So, you know, it's it is it's interesting how something that feels trite, right. maybe when you're writing it, um, is the synthesis or the um, concentration of of your right. message that is presented in the most straightforward way that right. maybe provides the entry to the the greater complexity that surrounds it. Right. No, I have this thing that I say um, uh, about choruses and bridges that that you're always looking for the hallmark phrase. And what I mean is that when you go in to, to buy a greeting card, you know, you're like, oh, if I had three hours, I'd write, you know, an essay to this person who, who I love. But then they would just get bored reading it and I don't trust my own writing. And then you find this card, hopefully, that says like 10 words. And it's, oh, that's exactly what I, what I would say. And it's kind of saying a lot, you know, um, and, and that that's really what you're I think what you're describing is these moments um, where eight or 10 words get said and they really say so much that, you know, it, 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 it feels like they suddenly summed up everything that you took three minutes to say. Right. Well, I, I saved my favorite song for last as we're kind of talking through songs, uh, and that is the first song, actually, He Is Not Safe, mm-hmm. which is not just a strong starter, but uh, it's it's a message that maybe we don't think of enough. It reminds me, and maybe this is intentional, of uh, C.S. Lewis and uh, Aslan from the Narnia yes. Chronicles, you know. And he's safe. Mm-hmm. No, he's not safe. Is that Mr. Beaver who's talking at that point? Yes. Yeah, um, that, that actually was an inspiration for the song. Yeah, it's a conversation with Susan and, and Mr. Beaver when she's – it's in Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. And she doesn't know that Aslan isn't a man. I think she's assuming he's a man, you know, right. because why wouldn't you assume that? And when she realizes he's a lion, she's a little nervous, I think, and says something like, is he quite safe? And, you know, Mr. Beaver says something uh, to the effect of, uh, who said anything about safe, you know, Uh, but he's good.
why, um, and this may seem like an obvious answer, but why, why is it important to impart to people that, that God is not safe? Well, there's a four prong kind of a thing here, and I don't know that I'll do. I'll tell you all four or all three or whatever. But I can I can start by saying a couple of things. One is that one one is kind of an on the nose thing that's a little bit um, probably a little bit protesty. You know, I tell people that this record was was protest songs, um, and I was protesting sin, death, and in evil things. You know, not not sinners, but sin, death, and evil things, and. Uh, and, and I, I was protesting what I think is a, is a, not an evil, but a real flaw in my business, which is that Christian music's primary objective is to make people feel encouraged and positive. And they even say things like safe for the whole family, you know, which isn't a wrong thing, but it's just not an exhaustive look at what Jesus is or who he is or any of that. Right. A little uh, one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. I could get into a whole thing there, but I don't want to sound bitter or whatever. I just, I think that's a, I think that's a problem. And so one, I thought, how cool would it be to write a song that sounds like a radio pop song, but they would never make the radio because I'm speaking so directly, uh, you know, in this way, that's exactly what they say you shouldn't do, you know, sort of, if that makes that sentence didn't work very well, but I just mean, they say they're safe. I, I write a song called not safe. Right. So that that was one, but 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 the real reason was just that, you know, I found myself in praying from from my friend and in some of the struggles I've been through with depression and and some other things, uh, realizing that I need I need a God who will who will really go dirty and deep and 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 uh, he will really get down into the mess with me. Um, that sounds I don't know I, I no no it's I, right on I, you know, man right and, on and I and I and I. And if and if God is all about politeness and manners and niceness, I don't know that He can handle the things that I need handled. Um, and I'm not saying that I mold God in, into what I want. What I'm saying is, I'm I'm afraid too often that's what we do. And God says, No, I am what I am. And trust me, this is what you'll need if you're going to face the kind of stuff that this world throws at you and that and that the enemy throws at you. You're going to need something dangerous and wild and something that feels reckless to you, something that, that, that feels kind of, uh, unhinged, you know, um, yeah. you look at this, at this, at this Jesus and the things that, that, that he said and did and the ways that he could have made things easier on people if the, he'd done the more mannered thing or the more expected thing. Uh, and he just didn't do that as often, you know, um, and that's that's good news. You know, that's that's bad news if I really, really want him to to uphold my systems of control. But it's bad news. You know, it's, I mean, it's you know, it, it's it's bad news for 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 that. But it's but it's great news if I am at my wits end and I'm at the end of my own stuff and I say, someone save me from the messiest, most broken, most uh, uh unhinged kind of stuff that I deal with, I need a God who will go that who will go to those links. So I don't know if I'm communicating this correctly, but that's that's the idea is that he is there's a word that I that I can't say on your thing, but it is you know, it's essentially the idea that that he's bad but good, you know? Um anyway, I, th- that's how I feel about it. And I just thought God was ready to to just go to the go go to war, you know, for those he loves. And I wanted to say that in a, in a song that, that kind of gave some teeth 
and some attitude uh, to to our message. And I think the, using the term teeth actually is, is a great image because uh, so much of Christian culture is toothless. I mean, it is, yeah. it's so concerned with broad acceptance that right. it loses its teeth when, right. um, kind of going back to what you were saying, when, you know, if you're looking for somebody to be on your side in the fight for your life, are you going to pick something safe or, or, are you, mm. or do you want somebody that can weigh in and by weigh in, I'm not talking about stepping on a scale. I'm talking about, uh, well, weighed in is really what I'm saying, throwing elbows and punches and stuff and taking right. on evil in a way that you feel that you feel safe for yourself but you don't want somebody who is in a box and without any teeth. Right, right. I think that's, I mean, you know, as a culture and even personally, I, I think we're, we're, I won't say obsessed, but we're really interested in, you know, you, you and I have made some, had, we, we've had some banter uh, about Marvel and, and the DC, but, but there's, there's, as a culture, we love the idea of someone stepping outside of, of the, the normal systems of law to do what it takes to, to help us. We love that in, in all our fantasy and storytelling, we love Robin Hoods. And my wife and I, we love TV shows where a bunch of ex-criminals get together and band together to do some good or something. That's our favorite kind of show, you know? Um, and I think that's a little bit of how, uh, of, what's, of what draws me to Jesus. He was not an ex-criminal, but but he was criminalized, right? They They made him out to be this bad guy because he came in with a different kind of of a different kind of ethic. You know, there's a song on my last album called treason and blasphemy. And it's all about, it's all about this idea that if you follow Jesus, uh, the systems of this world are, are they're occasionally going to, going to, going to bump into what you're called to do. Uh, and you got to figure out how to navigate that. You mentioned your last album. So as we're kind of wrapping up a couple of things I want to share with folks. Uh, first of all, you know, we joked at the beginning about the fact that, um, our interview about Unfettered never came to pass. And it's really a shame uh, because, frankly, I don't know that 2015 actually produced a better album than Unfettered. Um, oh, thank you. Wow. Especially Treason and Blasphemy, Love is a Hammer. Uh, mm-hmm. those, are, those are, Love is a Hammer to me was probably the best song that was on any album in 2015. Mm-hmm. It was just, thank you. Folks, if you haven't downloaded that as a single, um, download it and then let, allow that to be your entry point to the rest of Unfettered, which is excellent. And uh, in many ways, and you shared this with me, we know how this thing ends, mm-hmm. is Unfettered, I think you said 1.5. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. a, uh, it's, a, it's not quite a continuation, but there's definitely right. inspiration that, uh, and, a, and a through point there. Uh, mm-hmm. This is also an excellent EP. And we call it an EP, but there's eight tracks on there. It, I mean, it's as long as a lot of full-length projects, and you can get that on Ross's site for five bucks. Yep. Uh, or you could get it on his site for 30 bucks. <laughs> you know, he just want to throw money at, at me. That's yeah. also good. And yeah. and that's okay, too. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to encourage people to, to check this out. I think, Ross, you're writing some of the best songs of your career. And Thank you. allowing yourself to be unfettered, unleashed, and uh, and writing songs that are personal and, and frankly, not safe. Uh, you're producing yeah. music that maybe is counter to the Christian culture, and that's a good thing. Thank you. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts 
For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.